a Christmas edition of In Goal Radio, the podcast. Now, welcome to it, everybody. We've got a great feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena. Richard Bachman's going to stop by in just a little bit. Plus, we're going to check in with the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Get you all set up for the Boxing Day sale. And now living in the United States, I can tell you, when you say Boxing Day, people have no idea what you're talking about. So it's a, a Boxing Day sale which is right after Christmas for all Americans. If you want to order from the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, as we bring in the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. You don't have Boxing Day in no, the States? No, they it's don't a, do... It's I a, just it's a I didn't know that. slash Commonwealth term, where on Boxing Day... So do you have... Is there a massive uh, sale? No, because Black Friday is the big sales in the United States. That's, that's the Boxing Day... Of the United States. Boxing Day, the origin of it is uh, the English would celebrate Christmas, and then Boxing Day, they would give their servants and their employees, uh, their helpful hands, uh, presents. And that's that's Boxing Day. And then uh, Canada and uh, Australia, all the Commonwealth countries kind of made it it a thing. But in the United States, there's no Boxing Day. So- We've got massive Boxing Day sales yep. up here in Canada, though, for our American listeners. Like there, it's like our Black Friday. But in the meantime, we've also absorbed Black Friday as our own, so we get double the savings. Yeah. Like we get two two big savings. Well, days? now our American goalie friends are in on it, and they can get Boxing oh, Day like, savings too. Hello, what a public service. Darren's just hello to our U.S. Us. listeners, folks. Boxing Day on a sale perspective is absolutely as big as Black Friday is down there. And for any items that the hockey shop can ship across the border, I'm going to suggest that you check out thehockeyshop.com right away on December 26th. You know, I mean, you're a little tired. You're maybe working off some of the turkey that morning. Go online to thehockeyshop.com because the Boxing Day sales are 20 to 50% off. Um, you know, Obviously, none of the latest and greatest stuff is on sale, but as they try and Open up the the shelf and the space for all the new stuff that's coming in 2022. Uh, SLR2 leg pads, catchers and blockers still 20% off. Uh, Bauer goalie masks up to 30% off. Warrior G5 chest and arms 20% off. Uh, Warrior VR1 goal sticks, a very popular item, still right up to the National Hockey League, 30% off. CCM Premier goalie sticks, half price. Um, looking at some of these things, goal skates, Bauer Supreme, 40% off, Vapor goal skates, 30% off, wow. CCM, AS1 and FD2 goalie skates, 50% off, uh, E-Flex 4.9 and 4.5 pads, catchers, blockers, all 40% off. So um, yeah, yeah, Boxing Day is kind of a big deal up here. So for everyone who's listening from Canada, you know this already, check out the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com for great Boxing Day sales. Our American friends, make sure you check it out too. Um, it, it may not get the hype that you have down there with Black Friday, but it's every bit as good in terms of sale items. And so if that item you wanted under the tree did not magically appear, just wait the next day and buy it for yourself on sale. And, uh, the shipping is, is awesome. It, uh, I bought a new bag. I bought uh, some suspenders. I actually bought the suspenders. I made money on it, on the exchange. <laughs> that was a, that was oh, a I joke. Mean, yeah, on the, you uh, add the U.S. dollar, it's. It's practically free. It's like we say with an in-goal subscription, yeah. right? It's like it's like get a year for the price of a cup of coffee. Now uh, can uh, can we put anything out there for an in-goal subscription though, uh, leading up to Christmas and Boxing Day? Sure can. Hey, big shout out to uh, goal- goalie coach Jesse Jenks of Vancouver Island, BC, who texted me as we were about to record and said, "I want to give a gift subscription to one of my goalies. 
I don't know how to do it. I'm looking all over the site. I said, go to ingoldmag.com, top right corner, gift subscriptions. Real simple. You click on that, everybody. You can give a gift right up to Christmas morning and your little goalie's going to get the gift. We send a little email out that welcomes them to InGoal. You can customize it with your own personal message. And if you're one of those folks like me who would love to have something to put under the tree or in a stocking, uh, you can also download these printable gift certificates we've made up, a whole bunch of them with some of your favorite goalies on them. So you can just fill out and show what that gift is that you've given. And then they get a full year, but not just a full year as an InGoal member, but they'll suddenly have access to all the content that's been there since we started. So in that case, more than 100 pro reads. You're going to give your young goaltender the chance to sit down with NHL goalies every single week and find out what they're doing well and why they're doing it. Some of the best learning you will have in goaltending is to sit down in those pro reads that uh, Kevin Woodley created, just the greatest thing that we do. But there's so much more, obviously. There's drills, there's teaching tips, there's gear tips. Uh, full two years of archives and then another year to come with your in-goal premium gift subscription. And again, do it anytime you want because it's delivered electronically. It's not too late. $50 Canadian. That's like a cup of coffee in the United States. Not much more than that. Where are you getting your coffee? And, uh, and you get a full year. It's just, I think it's one of the, the best deals. Uh, I'm trying to tell Woodley to raise the prices all the time, but he's such a nice guy. He won't let me do it. Uh, you want to know how valuable pro reads are? Just listen yes. to our interview later on with Richard Bachman. He says he he reads, checks out everyone because he gains insight from it. And we've heard that from other NHL goalie coaches, AHL goalie coaches. There's a lot of value there. And think about it this way. Like, not only is it the greatest gift for goaltenders, in my very biased opinion, but, you know, sometimes, like, there's a lot of work as parents that goes into Christmas, you know, and the, the, everything gets unwrapped, and you just want a little break. 500 stories online you're going to be able to send little johnny or little Susie into their room with their uh, whether it's a tablet or a laptop computer tablet phone whatever to watch videos read articles watch videos of nhl goalies and nhl goalie coaches helping them become better goaltenders Uh, webinar on there live with carrie price Uh, that's still on there lots of different things different goalie coaches that have been on there so much so much so much and all for just 50 bucks. It's a goalie rabbit hole. Instead of being on TikTok or Instagram, go down the goalie rabbit hole with uh, In Goal Mag. And get better. Yeah. So that's our number one on our uh, gift suggestion list. And again, we're biased. But uh, for 50 bucks, but that's like a skate sharpening pass for 10 sharpens. You can basically have the only access in the world, frankly, exclusive to this type of content from NHL goalies and coaches. Uh, looking forward to uh, see what uh, pours in in the next uh, couple of weeks so as we get back into the rhythm of the professional ranks. But uh, also, uh, just stay positive, everybody that's uh, that's going through any type of pause right now, uh, whether it's uh, in the uh, professional uh, side of things or the junior or minor hockey. Uh, don't know what's going to happen uh, after Christmas. But uh, but just uh, do do your best to uh, to stay positive, and, and we'll we'll get through this again. It's it's been one of those uh, challenging times to when you think we're right back to this again. But uh, I all indications are that uh, that uh, it, it, we're not going to be uh, going through it or, or in some kind of extended pause. We know the QMJHL has shut down, and some of the other leagues are still trying to to sort things through. So uh, just a little bit of a uh, uh, chin up, and uh, and we'll be with you and. 
use the time wisely. Use the time you've already gone through a, probably a little bit of it uh, already. Learn from the last time that you were shut down and uh, and make some adjustments and uh, and focus on on making yourself better mentally or or physically. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of things to discuss. And on the subject of uh, the impact of, of COVID, the National Hockey League and the NHL Players Association mutually agreeing uh, to not participate in the Beijing uh, Olympic Winter Games. Uh, so that uh, changes things uh, considerably as the federations will have to field uh, different rosters. Uh, but also, um, boy, it, uh, I was really looking forward to seeing best on best, you guys. Uh, and, and, and from a goaltending perspective, uh, Vasilevsky at the Olympics or uh, John Gibson at the Olympics. Uh, I, I don't know who from Canada at the Olympics, but I was looking forward to seeing Canada uh, defend uh, the best on best title. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's going to take a while to to get over this hurt, uh, Hutch. It's uh, it's really hard. I guess the only thing that maybe makes me feel a little bit better right now is that looks like we still have the World Junior Championships coming up here. I think some of the exhibition games starting uh, tomorrow as we record this on Wednesday, the twenty second. Uh, so it's gonna I'm gonna have a little time to really enjoy some fantastic international hockey over the next few weeks here. But then when Olympic time rolls around, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be really tough. Uh, it's always, it's always fun to see the teams that do get fielded if it's not best on best, cause there's still some great hockey going on there. And I look forward to that, but, uh, yeah, we've been looking forward to this one for a very long time and it sounds like we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Um, I saw a suggestion out there today, guys. I know it's not going to happen because hockey is one of the premier sports of the winter Olympics, but, uh, maybe summertime. Would they ever consider? I, I, I said that Did yesterday you? on the there radio, actually, and I'm glad somebody else uh, agreed with me. I, I suggested taking it out of the tournament and playing it uh, uh, at a later date. Not going to happen, but. No. It's a great no. idea. But I, hey, I just supply the ideas. You guys shoot them down. That's, I've got my, my side of it. Uh, I know my rule, and you guys, you guys know your rule. You're Mr. Positive today. Well done, Darren. That's awesome. All I want to do is raise prices, and you're Mister Positive, and we're not sure Woodley's somewhere in the middle. I'm sad because the best on best is not there, and I was, you know, like everyone, eager to see who teams were going to pick, not just Canada but the states with such great options. I mean, you mentioned obviously Connor Hellebuck's on that list. You mentioned Jod Gibson. How about Thatcher Demko since Bruce Boudreau took over here in Vancouver, just on an absolute heater and climbing the charts in that uh, best of the league conversation into the top ten. Um, so yeah, I'm going to miss that. I gotta be honest with you guys selfishly. What I'm really going to miss the 2002 winter Olympics, which of course has a writer who doesn't go to the Olympics outside of 2010 when I covered it here in Vancouver, which was like a career best moment. Um, but I'm not high enough up on anybody's food chain to, to get sent anywhere, including Salt Lake city. So I decided to go to Hawaii and get married in 2002. So that makes two. 2022 our 20th wedding anniversary oh, and that wow. three-week olympic break that was scheduled would have been the perfect fit for me to arrange to take my wife back to maui for a 20th wedding anniversary and that is no longer happening because those dates are all going to get filled up with nhl games and the day job's going to get in the way so there's my very very selfish take on the uh nhl players not going to the olympics did you want to take her to Mao me? Because it's all about you? <laughs> Would me? Listen, this was a 100% romantic gesture. Nothing to do with warm temperatures, um, tea times, or perfect surf weather. This was all about our relationship and, and rekindling that, Darren. This was not a selfish decision. This was 100% going to be about my wife 
and Always there might have been Kevin Woodley. That's right. That's right. That's right. I would have even forgone the golf. Maybe not, but <laughs> I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Uh, Russia, Canada, the United States, Sweden. Who are the who would do you think right now would be the number one goaltenders uh, in a best on best? Russia's easy. I'm taking Russia first because that's the easy one. Okay, I, I know that Shishterkin is in the conversation and should be, but Vasilevsky, with what he's done, no. uh, has to be the number one. He's the best goalie in the world. Yeah. Hey, Shishterkin, yeah. he goes right there. I ended his I ended his positivity with that suggestion. You just happened to watch Vasilevsky play last night, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. he was good last yeah, night. He was good, and he is in. They the- knocked out a tooth. He came back three seconds later, and uh, he missed three seconds of the game and came back. He got hit in the face with a with a shot. I'm pretty sure it was he lost a tooth. Maybe it wasn't, but uh, but he had to go to the room, missed three seconds of game time, uh, and uh, came back and finished the game. Yeah, it was but wild, uh, but uh, was Sweden. Markstrom, hundred percent, especially with uh, Robin right, Robin Lehner sure. not going. It's Jacob Markstrom with a bullet. Team so USA, two easy ones. Now it's getting harder. Let's go to let's go to Hutch now, but we're into Team USA. <laughs> yeah, thanks for making it a little bit easier for me. Gibson, yeah, Hellebuck. Hellebuck. Yeah, I think I think they they go to Hellebuck. I mean, you've heard me say it before. I think at least with Canada, probably a couple of teams they're going to give a couple of guys starts and see what happens. But uh, if I got to put my money on one guy right now, it's Hellebuck. I would go. I, I I would go Demko. You think they would start Demko? It's not who you would start, yes. but you think the U.S. would start yes. Demko? Yeah, that's that's who uh, I think would have ended up being the number right. one guy. I gotta be honest with you. I think it would have uh, depended on what what type of game they want to play. Um, if they get into a running gun where teams have the opportunity to go east west, then I lean Demko. Yeah. If they're controlling thing and keeping it end zone and keeping attacks in straight lines, it's Connor Hellebach. But there are very few guys uh, that are going east-west as well as Thatcher Demko right now. And Gibson can kind of play any. Oh, he's uh, right in that. He's right in that. Gun. Yeah, right in that conversation. Yeah. yeah. But I would say from a technical standpoint, like foundations provide consistency and having a. Uh, that, that's where I would probably put Demko a little bit ahead there. Uh, any ideas? Uh, who Team Canada's goaltender wow. would have been or, or would be right now Listen, if, I, if the Olympics... Conversation starts and ends with Carey Price being back on the ice and, and ready to go. Okay, so right now. He's your number one right option. Now. It's Jordan Bennington without, okay, Carey, without Price Carey Price. Right now. It's Jordan Bennington. And, this, and like yeah. honestly, this would have been a fascinating discussion because Bennington's numbers, and I know a lot of people think that he hasn't been as good since he won the Cup, but the numbers all say he has. He's been really good this year. But let me ask you this. For a goaltender who struggled in the bubble in the playoffs and admitted he just couldn't find that rhythm and that groove without fans there, and a tournament that might not have fans in China certainly isn't going to have the type of crowds we're used to, and a guy who's felt the need to get himself and his team going with, let's, I don't know how you call it anything other but antics. Yeah. You think, I mean... I'm not criticizing those things because that's the thing. Like as easy as everyone's like, I want somebody to drill them. They work usually, not just for him, but for the team. Yeah. But is hockey like Sidney Crosby putting up with that? Like, and that's a, that's a fair question. Like, does that mentality and that mindset and needing to give yourself that boost, that juice, um, you know? And and people say, well, it's the Olympics. He'll he'll automatically be, be into it. Well, 
the bubble was playoff hockey and it never happened. So like, like if you know, that's a, I think it's a legitimate question. I'd be, would have been very curious to see which way hockey Canada would have gone on that one. Yeah. Jordan Bennington. I don't really know. It's for sure. The hardest one to pick. Cam Talbot. I don't know. Hey, listen, Hey, you know what? We've actually missed one here. Mark Andre Fleury, since the coaching change in Chicago has looked like Mark Andre Fleury. Um, in Vegas, the, the Vesna Trophy winner last year. Yeah. He's been really good. We talk about mindsets and mentality. Does anybody bring more positive energy to a room than Marc Andre Fleury? And so he would. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sid would be okay with that. Yeah, one. <laughs> he would be. He to me, he's in that conversation as well. And maybe, and maybe, maybe I'm doing him a disservice, and, and and his numbers don't jump out because of the start they had in Chicago. But maybe it's not fair to have him at the top of that list, right alongside Jordan Bennington. I know there's an age there. But uh, Flower's been really good lately again. Yeah, not having the tournament uh, takes away one of the great mysteries that would have been solved as far as Team Canada's goaltending makeup for the Beijing Olympic Winter Games. Uh, you know, so, it may also put. Yeah. You know what it's going to do? There's going to be a lot of uh, logo team. Uh, sorry, country colored sets of True Gear out there. It was my understanding. I mean. True's got 35 out of the out of the 62 or 64 goalies in the National Hockey League. They already had five sets made for the various Canadian goaltenders that wear them and two for the US because they couldn't wait. Like this, this gear is already made for a whole bunch of these guys. So maybe there'll be some pro return sets floating around out there for uh uh for for us and Joe Public to buy with some uh NHL goaltenders' names on them in the near future because uh they're not getting they were made already and they're not gonna get put to use. Uh my buddy Orrin, who plays on Friday nights here in Las Vegas, he just got a set of uh, pro return Stuart Skinner here. Nice loves it. CCM. Uh, loves it. Yeah. So uh that's uh that's very cool. Uh when uh when we uh dive into things and uh and go through this journey, uh there's some great reflections and you mentioned two thousand two and uh, Curtis Joseph starting, and then it ended up being Martin Brodeur uh, as the goaltender, 2010 uh, switch. And a lot of things can change. Uh, and change and adapting is sort of where we go with our feature interview uh, this week with Richard Bachman. And uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR, uh, continuing to provide uh, our access to these great athletes, uh, Hutch. What a great time it is. Again, Sense Arena uh, has been sponsoring our feature interviews for, for a long time now. And you have your last chance to grab their fantastic Christmas sale. Probably not arriving by Christmas Day, but you can print out one of the graphics, put it under the tree. Because if you get Sense Arena's annual subscription now, you get the Oculus for free. And, you know, the virtual reality whether it's goaltending or any other field is just sort of the thing to have these days. So you can get uh, your son, daughter, husband, wife into goaltending through Sense Arena, but you can also enjoy all those other great virtual reality apps that are out there. And again, the Oculus comes for free with an annual subscription. One of the reasons that I like the subscription model for software that they use is that you get new updates all the time, all year long. And we just saw one come out for Sense Arena uh, in the last couple of weeks here, and it is fantastic. You've got new drills available in there. You've got new cognitive stuff in there. You've got um, some a new training program in there to work with. You've got some new uh, coaching tips in there as well. So the product just keeps getting better and better and better. 
the new drill uh, I know Brian DeCord talked to us a little bit about when we had that special edition of the podcast with him. And I think they call it the cannon drill so that you can actually ask it to repeatedly shoot in the same spot. And you know, you've done goalie drills, guys, and you get out there with a shooter and you say, I want to work on my glove. And maybe three go towards your glove, two go over the net, a couple go to the blocker side. With the cannon drill, you can say, this is exactly where I want every shot. And you can repeat that same motion until you get it down over and over and over. My quirky kid, of course, decided, well, I can tell it to shoot the pucks here for my glove every every time. If I move about a foot and a half to the left, I can be sure I'm getting them all off the dome. And he started deflecting pucks off his head into the corner. Uh, so well, Vasilevsky did that last night. There he's, you go. Well, now you can practice it with Sensorina and it doesn't hurt. Your, your kid is basically practicing to be on my beer league team for warm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. Anyway, uh, guys, Sensorina, fantastic gift uh, to put under the tree. Maybe maybe if you don't get everything you'd hope for at Christmas, you can give it to yourself. Uh, not sure there's going to be a Boxing Day sale because they're over in the Czech Republic, but uh, it's still an incredible deal, guys. Uh, tell us about the uh, interview uh, brought to you by Sensorina on uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast. Woody? Oh, well, I don't want to spoil any of it. I just Richard Bachman is a guy that I got to know when he was in the Canucks system. Uh, I'd heard good things about him beforehand. Uh, when he was with Edmonton, we, we talk about it in the interview a little bit, just, you know, this is a guy that in addition to his own playing career and constantly sort of developing uh, throughout his 11 years as a pro and sort of constantly evolving, became one of those goalies that was always valued as a mentor. So as much as he was competing for playing time and, and not handing anything to the guys he was playing with, every goalie coach that had him talked about his ability to help other goalies in the organization get better and so not surprised to see him now having success as a goaltending coach he's a guy that Thatcher Demko's referenced with us in the past as having a major impact on him when he was with the Utica Comets on his way up here uh, to the National Hockey League I've had other goalie coaches from other organizations just praise uh, the way Richard approaches the game um, both in terms of technical and thinking his way through reads and around the ice and how goalies play but also just the mental approach and 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 again just that being a good playing partner and so we get into all of those aspects as he transitions from playing to coaching over the past two years uh in this interview and i think what comes out of is just an absolute ton of takeaways whether you're a young coach or a young goalie there's so much in this interview that will help you manage certain situations or help you get better Plus, we've got a reference to Stephen King at the end. So um, Richard Bachman, of course, the pen name of Stephen King and some fun stories about some mass he wore in the National Hockey League uh, based on that theme towards the end of the interview. Good guy alert. Richard Bachman, the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Really happy to welcome to the Ingo Radio podcast, a guy I, I'm just excited to catch up with. Uh, it's been a few years since we had him here uh, in the Canucks organization. I used to get to catch up with him on a regular basis. Richard Bachman, currently the goaltending coach for the Iowa Wild, uh, played 11 years in of pro hockey, 50 games in the National Hockey League, now goalie coaching. Dude, what's going on? How's How are things? Things are great. Things are really good. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on talking to you again and just good to good to see your face and catch up. Well, you're the only person in my household that thinks it's good to see my face. So it's nice that somebody appreciates it. <laughs> um, 
So I want to talk, like there's so many things I wanted to, to talk about your career, but I want to, I want to focus a little more on the transition to goalie coaching. Like you've been at it for two years now and boy, what a two years to transition um, with everything that's going on around the game and the pandemic and everything. But what's this adjustment been like? What's to going from a guy who played the game for so long to a guy who's now trying to help others play it at a high level? What, what's, what's been the challenges? What's been easy? What do you, what do you like about it? Oh man, that's a fully loaded question there. Um, no, so the transition's been great. Um, for me, when I we kind of entered the start of that pandemic, I was actually still training to play. Um, but on the side in the summer, I'd been doing a lot of private lessons. Um, and, and throughout kind of the back half of my career, working with young goalies coming in in the American League, I had already started working with goalies, and then I was doing it in the summertime. So I definitely knew it was something that, I was leaning towards making a full-time career when I was done playing and then the pandemic hit and I was very fortunate to have a couple job interviews and, and it kind of just fell into place. And I looked, took a look in the mirror and thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to get involved at a high level, doing something I know I want to do in the future. And so it just kind of went from there. And then it just, it was, you know, I dove head first and, coming in the first year into a season that had so many unknowns and especially in the American league, there was a lot of young players due to the taxi squad. Um, it, it was definitely a, a learning year for me, but a lot of young kids coming into the league too. And I, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And then this year has been a little bit, I should, I should be hesitant when I say it, it's a little bit more normal um, and just really enjoying it. And you still get that competitive feeling, that competitive environment. I still get a little nervous before games and it's almost like you're the hockey parent now though you're you're nervous for your kids out there but you can't do anything you, you put in all the work and during the game you just got to let them play um but you still have that competitive environment and that's what I love and and ultimately when I decided to go into the coaching side it was because I still want to win and I want to I want to help the organization win and win the championship and that uh, that goal has never changed and I'm lucky enough to keep chasing it. You mentioned that. I wanted to just rewind it a little bit. You mentioned sort of mentoring, um, working with younger guys in the American Hockey League. And I'll never forget, like Dustin Schwartz, goaltending coach of the Edmonton Oilers, talking about just how invaluable you were in that role um, as both a goaltender at the time, like like playing well, but also just your willingness to work with the other guys. I know uh, Thatcher Demko here in Vancouver raves about his time with you and the lessons he learned uh, from playing with you when he was uh, in Utica in this organization, conscious decision or just Richard Bachman being Richard Bachman and and wanting to help out his playing partners. Like at what point did you like? You're still competing. You're competing for starts with these guys, but you you never seem to be competitive in a negative aspect with them. That 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 nurturing mentoring environment. I, I've just heard so many people talk about it when they were playing with you. Yeah, I uh, it, it was probably a little bit the way I was raised. Um, just just to always help out and, and do what needs to be done. But I was also a pretty firm believer, and I, and I was very fortunate when I was young that I played with some really good, really good goalies, but really good guys that helped me. And you kind of want to just kind of pass it forward and keep it going. Um, but I'm a really firm believer, like when you're on a team, yes, you have that competitive aspect with the other goalie, but you were – Typically, you were the only two that know what's really going on in that crease 
and you have to help each other. You have to support each other, push each other to be better, communicate because you're a little bit isolated in there. And, and it's really the two that stand in the net that can help each other get through tough periods or kind of can get the team on a roll and do all that. So if you, if you don't have that bond between the two goalies, it can make for a difficult uh, and long season. Any names out there and any lessons that you remember from earlier in your career? Obviously drafted by the Dallas Stars and started your career with them, spent a lot of years in their organization. Are there any guys that jump out to you that that sort of created and fostered that for you? Yeah. Um, Brett Cron was probably the first guy I really had, and he was a little bit he was a veteran at the time, but he just took the time just to talk and support and you know, he led by example on and off the ice, how he prepared. And, and how he carried himself with a professional demeanor. Um, and I think that was a big one for me early as you come in and you can get frustrated pretty quick and, and start to sometimes lose your cool and stuff, but he was always so calm. So you kind of mirror that. And then uh, Kari Lettinen was great. Um, he, he was just a really good friend of mine. I still talk to him to this day um, for kind of helping me adjust to life in the NHL a little bit. Um, and then, Ryan Miller was awesome. Um, when, when I had a chance to be with Millsy for a few months there in Vancouver, that, uh, that experience probably helped prolong my career for a couple of years, just watching how professional he was, but how he was able to separate life. Cause I had just had kids at the time, but life at home. And then when you bring it, you bring it to the ring for that time, but you can kind of separate the two. And, uh, so he, he was great and he was really, really fun to work with and obviously we all know he's extremely knowledgeable about everything goaltending it's incredible to talk to that guy about play reads or anything like that it just he he's just he knows everything he you know we all think we know a lot but he truly did and it was fun to be able to just hear what he sees on the ice so he was another guy that i really looked up to uh, shameless plug for those listening. We do have pro reads with Ryan Miller at ingolmag.com for premium members. So if you want to hear I, what... And, I, and I'm going to double down on that and say, even as a, a goalie coach, I watch those pro reads to figure out what those guys are seeing and what they've seen in the past and how the game changes. And it, it's amazing information to have in your back pocket. So I got to ask then, like, and that was one of my questions for today, because you're also, I mean, maybe no one's at Ryan's level, but you're a guy that we used to, I used to be able to have those conversations about whether it was evolving technique, um, gear, like you were one of the first guys in the Bauer 1S Pro, you know, Odin gear with the active rebounds and always looking for an edge, looking for a way to get better. Now that you're on the coaching side, do you have to be careful with some guys? Like some guys are set in their ways. Some guys are always pursuing maybe sometimes too much change, constantly looking for new things. And then the other question, I'm asking too many at once here, but reads. For all the talk about technical and everything you can do to be a pro off the ice mentally and physically, does it all come down to reads? And can you teach those? Wow, I just threw like six questions at you at once. Good, <laughs> good, good interview, Kev. <laughs> no. um, so I'll, I'll start at the start end there. Okay, start with, with the reads. With the reads. Uh, I think that's so important. And it is not the easiest thing to teach. I think you now the video and all that stuff has gotten so much better and so much quicker. You have access to it right away. So it's fresh in your mind. You can see stuff in the pro game, at least. Um, but yeah, for me, the reads and the situational awareness is huge. 
So what we try and do is create a game plan to get us through any situation. And the nice part about that is then it helps create consistency because even if you don't feel like you have your best stuff that night, which you're never going to always, you can't be perfect every single night. Some, some days your reactions are just a little bit better. You're just feeling a little better. But if you have a game plan for each situation that can arise, then you have a foundation in which whether something's a little off, you know, you're going to be doing the same thing and putting yourself into a great spot to make saves and let the puck come to you. And then, so that's kind of the situational part on, on the reads. It's just, I think it's developing a communication with your goalie and and trying to figure out what they're seeing and then kind of almost backtracking to what you see and, and you kind of mesh them together in a sense. And then you try and learn from them and kind of, develop a situation from that read and create a game plan on how to tackle it on a consistent basis. Um, so it's, that's how I tackle the read situation or the read portion of it with our guys. Um, but it is extremely important. Tracking and reads can get you a long ways. Okay. So I want to come back to the tracking, but I wanted to ask you too about the whole, you know, pursuing change or too much. And, and what I comes to mind is is a conversation we've had with Thatcher Demko a couple of times since he's arrived here as a pro. And, you know, him being in the American Hockey League, coming out of college and having all these things he used to do to get ready for a game. And it was advice from you that, you know, maybe to let go of some of those things because it can become, you can get to a point where you're doing so much. You know, and I guess we're kind of guilty as charged at Ingle. We're always showing, you know, all these different examples of what goalies do to get ready to play. If every goalie were to do every one of those things, you might be exhausted by the time the puck drops. Where do you, like, how much do you pay attention to what your young guys are doing to get ready? And, and you know, where's that line when you have that conversation with, hey, are, is, this, is this maybe, is too much, too much here? Yeah, no, so I, I like to let my guys do what they're comfortable with. And if they have any questions or want advice on, or ideas on, on, how to approach whether it's getting ready for a game or if they should change, you know, something with their equipment. Uh, I'm kind of there. Uh, the only times I really bring it up is if we start running into trends that are carrying on more long-term. Um, for example, let's say we're giving up a goal on the first two or three shots and it's happening consistently. That's when I would kind of step in and be like, Hey, like, let's take a look at our preparation. What are we doing um, is there something we can tweak just a little bit to where you're still feeling good throughout the whole game, but we're ready to go right from the start? Um, so, and it would have to be, you know, four or five games of that happening to really, for me to want to step in and, and really alter anything. Because I'm a pretty firm believer from when I played till now that consistency through the highs and lows is super important. Um, and not, not changing everything based on one game or one situation that happened. So unless it's a trend, I don't, I don't get too involved. Um, but, but there are times where you have to jump in and, and maybe lend a little advice and, and try and swing things the other way. How different is it? I mean, you've got two polar opposites this year. Um, and I know you've got more goaltenders than just the two, but when I look at the sort of lead two guys and Hunter Jones, a guy that, I've been on the ice with, you know, back to the world junior camps with Hockey Canada and just, just you know, this massive body and, and incredibly powerful engine in terms of the power he generates. And then, 
You know, you've, you've got a guy in Andrew Hammond who's been there, done that for a long time. Like, how does the approach differ? How do you try and make sure they're feeding off each other the way you used to feed off uh, your playing partners? Uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate um, with with Hammer. He's He's been a pro for a long time, and he's just a good, really good guy. He, he's a good person, so it's something I haven't had to really worry about or address because he's a great teammate to everyone in the locker room. So you know he's going to be there. And he's going to give advice. And I, like I was saying earlier, I think that relationship is so important. So I, I kind of leave it up to him and I know he's doing it. So I don't have to really get involved, but I know he's developing those relationships. Um, and, and that's, that's huge. Um, and, and then just my approach with them for, for Hunter or Derek Barbo, um, being young guys, 21, 22, uh, I, there's a little bit more teaching. Um, a little bit, even on the technique side, because they are younger, they, they can adjust quicker than when they get older. Um, and then some of it could be some practice habit stuff when we really need to be going, when we, depending on the drill and stuff, we have to take a little off, um, but really instilling good, good practice habits now and good fundamentals that they can grow and take with them throughout their career. So they're not having to make too many drastic changes later on, even though we're always evolving and we're never going to stop learning or tweaking, trying to set the best foundation for them. And then, and then for hammer, it's been, it's, it's almost fortunate because he was on the taxi squad and didn't play a game for 400 and something days. We kind of, we kind of had to break it down from when he was a younger goalie and, and rebuild his whole game plan because of the time away from the rink and he's super receptive and he's done a great job and we've had a lot of success with it, which is nice to see. Without giving away too many specifics, when you talk about game plans and when you talk about having, you know, a plan for each situation, do you mean like, like tactically Richard, like where you are on the ice positioning depth or like, I know there's a lot of different elements that can go into it, but how, how much detail are you breaking down? Like, it's not a, if the puck's here, you do this type of thing. Is it more just generalizations? Or I guess that even probably varies from, from guy to guy. Yeah, no. And it, yeah, and everyone's game plan's a little bit different. Um, so it, it's something, this is where I was, I was lucky and I can translate it into my coaching style is that I've had a lot of different goalie coaches. Um, so this was one area actually for Ian Clark, he's very, game plan driven each situation has a plan um but it but for me it changes depending on the goalie so for hunter jones's plan is going to be different than andrew hammond Derek barbell is different um and it's finding what works within their styles but it's something that so whether it's some goalies like to have a little flow off the rush some goalies are set um and so i'm not stuck on either one but it's finding the best solution for that goalie and then making it a consistent habit on, on how they want to play. And then some goalies like Demko really like to use the RBH and can play hash marks down and in. They fill the net well and they move extremely well in and out of their posts. Other goalies move a lot better from their feet. And so it's finding times when we can, where the puck is moved, whether it's, you know, along the perimeter a little bit, is that a good opportunity? Let's get to our feet. Or if you're a big guy and, you're comfortable in there. Maybe we wait till it breaks the plane of the hash. And it's those situations that we talk about so that each night it's consistent. And then, then you don't even have to worry about it. If you don't feel good or you feel great, you're still doing the same thing 
and ultimately letting the puck come to you. So a little less, like it can be different for every guy, but within each guy's game plan, if it's executed consistently, you're, you're relying a little less on that f- good feeling. It's just you're there and the variations from there go good or bad. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, an example, not to, like we said, we don't get into too much detail, but right. Right. It's like, it gives you like Hammond, a base. It gives you a base, right? Like it's a yep, base. Exactly. Level. So for, for Andrew Hammond after 400 days off, and playing a lot of shinny hockey and summer hockey and stuff, he started to lose a lot of his depth and wanted to play a little more flat because you're getting backdoored all the day. And so for him, it was developing a plan to get him back on top of the crease and staying square and trusting his position on whether it's a odd man rush or an even rush or a, a, an ozone play that's being created. He now has a plan. We're getting him back to a plan. So now he doesn't have to worry about feeling it. He can just execute it. Yeah, you talked about uh, Ian Clark and game plans. I know you had Mike Valley uh, when you were with the Stars. And I'm actually kind of curious that you talked about the importance of that relationship when you started out with Brett Cron. Did you even have a goalie coach in the American Hockey League when you started? I mean, now you are that guy. And most teams, I mean, there's only a couple that don't have a full-time guy. But, you know, we're not that long ago. Ten years ago, not necessarily. Yeah, so... I never had a full-time goalie coach in the American League in my entire career. Um, that, that seems crazy, but I, like I, I know that's possible. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. When you look at it and how important the position is, um, it, especially for the young prospects um, that you know you're putting a lot of time and energy into trying to create an NHL goalie, to not have someone there full-time does seem a little crazy. Um, but it's just the way things work. And like we can go back to the Mike Valley. So he would come down once or twice a year for a week at a time. So we didn't really have a goalie coach at all. Um, and that's where having an older guy really helped and helped me. Um, but Mike was such a good communicator. So throughout the whole process, even though he wasn't there, he was still paying attention and, and developing that relationship and making sure that I had what I needed and had someone to talk to, um, you know, that wasn't, always there um so but then that's also a big reason why i was super excited to get into this and be able to do it full time is because i do think there's so much value in it and it and it's nice to see these goalie departments being created but the full-time goalie coaches in the american league uh, and all of that is is so great for the position and you're only going to see goalies get better and better because of it well, and the one thing I, w- I wondered there, because this is something that Mike himself has talked to us about, uh, and I've heard him speak on it at various symposiums over over time, um, finding that line now that there are more goalie coach resources available, but still letting these guys learn to manage their own games, like making sure that they don't become so dependent on you that they're paralyzed without you. Is that something you're conscious of as you go through? Like, do you have to, for example, Ian will take days here where he just doesn't go on the ice every once in a while, and the goalie is responsible sort of for his own development that day. Is that something you have to be cognizant of as a full-time guy? Yeah, definitely. I think that's so important. Um, we, and we talk about it a lot, guys. You have to own your own game, and it has to be your game because you're the one out there playing and executing. And so, we, again, we go down, we build that foundation and that plan um, and especially a little bit more in the beginning of the season when we're ironing out some kinks and getting things back going, 
I'll be a little bit more vocal on them. But there's, yeah, there's days I'll tell them, I'll be like, hey, you're not going to hear my voice really at all today. Um, and, and that's a good thing. And I want you to go play. And, it, you know, it's actually kind of fun to see how they respond and, and what they ultimately do on the ice. And it gives them a little bit of freedom. And also they probably get sick of hearing my voice. So it's good for that too. Um, but yeah, no, they, they have, you have to learn how to own your own game. And I tell my guys, I go, we all would love to be in the same organization for our entire career and work our way up to a number one goalie in the NHL. That's the ultimate goal. I think for pretty much any player is to be one organization and be a star. Right. But in pro hockey, things change rapidly, whether a coach moves on or players get traded or whatever. So you have to, you, you can't rely on it as the end all be all with one guy. So you have to be able to, you know, you have to be able to coach yourself and, and manage your own work without that goalie coach there. So I think it's really important. Well, sometimes you have to be able to manage your own game while also taking advice from someone who, you know, you know how this goes, right? Like I've talked to guys over the years, they can go, you know, they get bounced around a little bit. You didn't have that quite as much within a year, but you could have, you know, so many different voices. And these kids coming out of junior or college, they've got voices in the summer they may work with. Getting to be able to the point where you can manage your own game with all these voices, being willing to accept new things, but maybe not chasing those new things. How do you how do you get these guys to balance that? I mean, obviously they're with you right now, but advice for even young goalies that have like three different voices, uh, you know, in their teens, telling them to do different things. How do you find your game and not get branded as someone who's not willing to listen to other advice? Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's tough at times. Um, I, I think the way the way I approach it is I try and I try and show guys first of all why we're trying to implement certain things in their game, and then we show them when they execute it and do it do it really well. And then the final step is when you start getting results by doing it in that overall game that they've created for themselves, and show them like this is this is why we're doing things. This is why. I think you should, we should be playing a certain way. And I leave it with that. And there, there's proof in it. They, they can see it. They can see the results coming from it. And then I let them, you know, then they can go and whether they're working with a goalie coach in the summer and I tell them, I ask question. Maybe that coach has something that I don't have, or we haven't thought about that could help. And then we'll, we'll look at it, we'll talk about it. And if we implement it and we start to see positive results from it, we'll show that. And so kind of goes back when I, I remember, I can't remember who told me this. And I think it's a pretty cliche thing, but when I would be going to summer hockey camps or changing teams, I always said like, you can always learn one thing from someone and you don't have to implement it, but you can learn it. And you may, you know, it's like having all the tools in your toolbox, right? You may never use it, but there may be a situation in the future where that could come in handy and you start to use it at that point. And I think for the young kids, that's, that's my biggest advice. When you're seeing different coaches, whether it's uh, something on the mental side, the preparation, technique, um, reads, like you can always take something from a coach. doesn't even have to be a goalie coach. Um, I love working with the skills guys and, and what they see and, and what they're trying to get their forwards to do. So then we can try and combat that plan with our own plan. Um, but it's always learning something from someone and you don't always have to use it, but take it in, absorb it. You might use it in five years from now and it could really be beneficial. 
where are we on that back and forth between skills coaches? It's funny because I think for years as a goalie guy and, and getting to go to the camps and see, you know, like goalies for forever have gone into the summers trying to develop their game, their skills. For the longest time, players just got bigger, stronger, faster and played shinny. Yeah. Now that's tipped, right? Like we've got skills coaches that are trying to specifically break down how a goalie moves so they can exploit it. Deception, new types of shots that we've never seen before, designed to get you to move one way so they can shoot it the other. Um, Seeing skills coaches increasingly coming out to those goalie camps in the summer and now vice versa. Where, like, how does that dynamic work with it for you guys? Like, are you trying to figure out what they're trying to do? They're trying to figure out what, like, it's a fascinating give and take. Yeah, it is. I don't know if we, any of us know what we're trying to do. <laughs> we're just all trying to get better and one-up each other from the players to the goalies. Um, I'm trying to use our skills coach to figure out what they're trying to do. And like I said, we're trying to then be able to make better reads in those situations. Um, you got all these guys, you know, doing fancy tricks behind the net. Well, across style well, there's stuff. a good example. Do you and, do you guys have a conversation whether it's the the um what do they call it the Michigan or the original Michigan goals like the lacrosse style goals like as a goalie department as a staff or do you actually take a look at hey how are we going to prevent this like this is not just on the goalie right it's how defensemen handle it it's the system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't get too tied down into those super specific plays, okay. but. Yeah, there are conversations that I'll have with our goalies um, on how what I feel would be a good approach to denying that if you get into that situation or what they feel or what they're comfortable with. Um, Because I like the creativity. I'm a little more old school when it comes to that stuff. I I think if if a guy tried to do the Michigan move, um, my my glove might extend a little further outside of that post and. There might be a body over there and they might get a little whack, Um, but that's just the old school side. But you're going to start to see it. It's coming and we have to have a plan for it. And we have to we have to look at that situation and see how we want to defend it, because for all these young goalies coming in, you're going to see it. It's it will be there at some point. And so we might as well get on top of it and and develop some way to stop it. Um, so, but I, I think working with the skills guys too, and sending goalies in, they're not always the easiest drills and they get frustrating at times. Um, skills coaches like to shoot from the slot cause they like to try and score goals. Um, just like they probably think we like to take shots in the stomach. Right. Um, but I think having our goalies in those skills practices, seeing it's again, it goes back to making reads and the best way to make those reads is seeing a lot of different, a lot of different situations put right in the fire and and when they're in there doing those skills drills i I tell them try something new take uh take a step back if something's not working let's let's come up with a different a different solution and we might we might try and or we might get ourselves into something where like oh we really like that and and that's how we want to approach it because those those things do happen in games and we got to be ready for it yeah we talked about mike valley in dallas we talked a little bit about ian clark uh, in vancouver but i I wanted to ask you uh, your time in edmonton dustin schwartz with a goaltending coach uh, i know he speaks very highly of you you also mentioned tracking Uh, i know freddie shabbat who works with the minnesota wild and obviously works with you in that organization has you know had exposure to sort of the quote-unquote modern concept of tracking like where it's a catchphrase that i think a lot of people just think is looking at the puck what does it mean to you uh it's 
tracking's obviously I I'm you know, we went through a little phase that track down is that everyone was calling. And I, I still use that term. I think it's a great term if you understand it um, correctly. But for me, it's being locked in on the puck. And you can go into the details of eyes looking past the puck or in front of the puck. And, and every goalie is going to have a little bit different posture. Um, so for me, it's really we're looking at the puck and we're letting the puck lead us. So as that puck moves, our eyes got to move first, which then brings you into the rotation and gets you to position, all that stuff that has been talked about a lot. But it's, it's having that patience and really letting the puck, you got to be locked on, let that puck do the work almost for you and letting your eyes then react. So we're trying to eliminate any guessing. Um, and, and I'll tell my guys, we got to be confident and feel like we're going to, we know we're going to stop the puck. So now let's try and take it a step further. And when that puck's coming, let's try and watch that puck spin even like, let's, let's take it a step further than just looking at the puck, but let's like really look at it and let our eyes do it. So on lateral plays, the eyes got to follow that puck all the way. We can't get ahead of it. We can't be behind it. We just got to let the puck do the work. Um, and, And so, the, the big one, and it just depends on a guy's posture, but eyes down. Everything comes from the ice up. Um, if we get caught looking over the top of anything, then that's when we start having a little bit of trouble. Um, and there's a bunch of other posture stuff you can get into, but um, really knowing that that puck's got to come up from the ice, our eyes have to be down towards that puck and locked on it, and then you can't be ahead of it, if that makes sense. It's a tough... It's a really it's a tough, tough one. It makes perfect sense concept. to me. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough concept. It's, it's a lot more simple than we make it sound. Um, but it, having patience and letting that puck lead you, you have more time than you think. Guys, all, all of the goalies, like everyone's quick. We can make saves. But it's when we let our mind and our eyes get ahead of it that we get into trouble. Yeah, and, and and the other part of it too, I think when you talk about triggering movement and and sort of those those biomechanics, I think that's where it probably goes in my mind, having been exposed to it a little further than you know the people that would have you believe it's just simply look at the puck. It's more how you look at the puck and how that triggers some of those mechanics yeah. would be would be my answer to that. It sounds like we're on the same page there. Uh, yeah, I gotta sure. ask I, you my my, yeah. real, my big advice for for kids too is, and it's so it seems so simple. Um, but it, without having like, you don't have a full-time goalie coach there and, and that has kind of studied all the different angles and mechanics that go into it. it. It is almost as simple as let's look at the puck, but my big advice is lead with your eyes. And it, sometimes we get in the motion or we, we find ourselves in a lot of goalie drills where we already know the pattern. So we know we're going to push the top of the crease. So without my eyes even going, I know where I'm going. But it's the little detail of letting your eyes take you first on everything. So as you push out, whether it's a pass or not, is let the eyes come first, then push so we're locked on. Then we can see the release better. We're not guessing. So that would be my advice for the kids is always be cognizant that your head is moving first because the play, the puck has to move. We have to follow it before we go. So don't get caught up in, all right, I'm going to move here, here, and here, and then make a save the eyes have to take you to each position first. And 
well, I guess the one I think I might add to that, I, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but when you move to that spot and to that puck with those eyes, it starts with them on the puck as opposed to maybe looking at the second row of the, because you know where it's going, the head goes up and people are, yep. the amount of times I look and it's like, well, the puck's on the ice, where the hell's he looking? Yep, exactly. And, and it's something I even with the pro guys, sometimes we'll be doing movement patterns and you have to step in and be like, hey, let's let's bring those eyes back down to the ice. That's where the puck's going to be. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it's not up in the second row of the stands. And, and so you got to be cognizant of that. And that'll trigger the mechanics we look for. Hey, one more advice for young kids, because you played this game for 11 years at the professional level, right up to the highest level at five foot ten advice for goalies who are fighting that battle because like we've had they've had this discussion with jonathan burn like look at the career jonathan bernier's had i'm not sure he gets drafted in in today's game at 511 um you've been through this as well were there points where you had to overcome that advice for young kids that are having that question you know in my opinion at far too early an age i'm seeing this this emerge don't listen to it is my big thing and it's hard. Uh, a lot of people talk about size. And I remember kind of going through it when I got into juniors a little bit in college. It was all about, oh, he's not that tall. Like, I don't know. And then you just go and play. And it kind of goes away after a while. And then I get into pro hockey. And that was a big topic again is, I don't know, he's not very big. Can he, can he do it? Um, but I, I never once let that creep in to where I let myself doubt it. Um, and even when I'd be in the net, at 510 I felt like I was covering the net and I felt big in there and so I would tell myself that you're big like you got the whole net covered you don't need to cover anymore it's already covered and so I just wouldn't let that doubt set in there but then I think as a smaller goalie you have to you have to you have to probably be especially at a young age you have to be a little better than the big guys, they're going to get the upper hand. They're going to get a few more looks, even if their numbers aren't quite as good because they have the size. But then if you can really hone in on some of the tracking we talked about, being patient on your feet, and, and you have to have exceptional positioning, it, there, there's at the end of the day, if you stop the puck, that's all that matters. And if you do it enough over and over again, people will start to see that you can stop pucks and not that you're 5'10", 5'11". Uh, the guy I would point to, I just say, go watch UC Saros play a few games. Were there anybody? Was there anybody for you that you're, were you, were you paying attention to the guys who were succeeding without being six two, six three? As that trend started during your career, so I got, I guess I was just enough ahead of it too. Like growing up, I was watching, you know, like Hashik and Mike Richter and yeah, stuff I was like say that. Because I was in the New York area, so I had, you know, the, we had the Sabres and the Rangers and all that. So I loved watching those guys and just how much they battled and competed and, and worked so hard at what they were doing. Um, and then it kind of went into that phase of really big goalies. Um, but, yeah, for me, it just – I just wanted to play. And I loved playing. And they, they, as long as I was making saves and, and winning games – I wasn't going to let my size be any factor in that equation. And I, I think just with having, you just have to work extremely hard. And if, you know, someone asks you about your size, tell them, yeah, I don't, I don't feel small in there. So it doesn't matter to me. Like, just don't even let it be a, a conversation and just keep working through it. And yeah, you're going to have to work a little harder at times and you're going to have to ignore some, some negative energy. Um, but I think, 
we're finally, you still are, we're still in the trend of big goalies. Um, everyone's big, big athletes in general. Um, but we're also, if you get the results and you, and you work hard and you're a good teammate, you can, you can change the narrative really quickly. Now people are more looking at the results and, and what a goalie can actually do physically versus how they just present themselves in the net. Yeah, UC Saros right now. Uh, Dustin Wolf just Incredible. killing it in the American Hockey League right now. So they're 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 blazing a path for us. Uh, last one, I promise. Richard Bachman is also uh, a name that uh, is used by Stephen King. So what was there was a period there in your career where you played off that with the masks, where you played off the the uh, ghostwriting name uh, of Stephen King with your mask. Any favorites? Like, do you have a favorite mask from that era? The shining masks with the stars. You had one with the Canucks. Was that something you embraced yep. it for a little bit and then you went back to sort of team-based mask? So I did that with uh, Stephen King. His pen name was Richard Bachman. Um, he, he wrote The Shining and the hotel was actually, it's based in Colorado. That's just part. I didn't, so, see, I didn't know that. Yep. So, and then I'd been from Colorado. So I was like, that Perfect. was my first one in Dallas that I did, which I really liked because it was, it was just like a black and white with some silver. It was creepy but clean so i really enjoyed that one um then i really actually liked the canucks one uh, i did where they're doing here's johnny from the movie the shining um and then i had johnny canuck on one side um so that one was really cool and then uh, after doing a few of them i just kind of moved on we did a little bachman turner overdrive up in edmonton uh canadian based band so i was like that'd be pretty that fun to play on it they're from down the road, so I, yeah, I'm very familiar. Taking care yep. of business, baby. That's right. So I did a little play off of that. And then towards the end there, yeah, I went more on the team, team-based stuff, tried a couple new things. But, um, but ultimately, some of my favorite masks were just the ones that are still super clean, easy to see from a distance. They, they look good on the cameras. People know what's going on. It's some of the detail, and it's incredible what these artists can do now is really neat and it's really fun to see especially you're very fortunate you get a front the front row seat to all those masks that come through the locker rooms there so you can see that detail but i I liked them when they can see them from the stands and and really get a good sense of it awesome hey uh do you have them as a collection there at home like do you have them like did you keep all your masks did you get to yep i think i think i had to give one back at one point um in my career um, but other than that, I have all of them from when my first mask, when I was a peewee that my dad painted for me in the basement. Um, I have that one all through high school, college, awesome. through pro. So yeah, they're, um, they're all in their bags right now, just with the transition period here, but hopefully one day we'll get them put up on display somewhere nice. Um, cause it, it's, it's neat. It's the one thing I've kept from playing. Uh, the pads and stuff, you know, they get so bulky and big. I had a couple sets, but the masks are, uh, they're really special to me. Do you ever throw them on still? We had Curtis McElhenney recently and he was contemplating it, but because he's only just retired, but we, most goalies don't. I don't put them on too often. Uh, more when I'm playing uh, floor hockey with my son. Every once in a while, nice. he'll, he'll be like, you, you play goalie and he'll want me to put the mask on. But uh, no, he, he enjoys them. Uh, his buddies, I let them play with them. Uh, cause I mean, that's, they're, they're durable. They're made for pucks. So 
I let the kids play in them and they love it. And it's, it's fun to see them and the excitement they get when they're holding one up close for the first time. Like when they have buddies over, that's, it's a pretty cool thing when they actually really get to see what it's all about and see the art on them. It's neat. So you are creating the next generation because that's how most guys fall in love with it. You're just out there creating the next generation of guys that just get hooked and want to be goalies. Exactly. Kid, all your kids' friends are going to want to be goalies. I love it. Yeah, exactly. My son included. He already wants to get in the net. But I told him he has to be a better skater first. It's all about the skating. Sounds like good advice. Richard, thank you so much for this. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, if anybody, are you still doing privates? Like if anybody's looking, are you still, or are you just focused so much on the pro side right now that you're not? Um, right now, I'm more focused on the pro side. Um, okay. Trying to develop my off-season plan still and and where we're going to be living um and stuff so once i get that sorted out whether it's here in des moines i'll probably get on the ice and try and help out with the youth hockey here and start developing some more goalies in this area and then if i'm back in colorado i'll definitely be doing some um through uh mountain high hockey so uh matt zaba runs that and curtis McElhaney's helping out with it now a little bit and it's a really cool really cool system they got going on. And so when I'm back there, I'll be doing a few. All right. So everybody listening, make sure you check that out. If you're looking to, to connect with Richard, we know how good you are in this role. We knew how good you were going to be even when you were still playing. So uh, if you decide to add some, some privates in Des Moines, you just let us know and we'll put that word out. Perfect. I appreciate it. It's been really fun talking to you, Kevin. Yeah. Good to catch up, Richard. Thank you very much and have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too. Happy holidays. Sometimes masks can get too scary. That was that was cool uh, with the uh, going back uh, talking about Stephen King and, and Richard Bachman and because you, when you when you Google Richard Bachman, that's what comes up first. It's not the goalie yeah, that comes up first. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he has there were some great ones. He referenced the Canucks one. I'd, I'd uh, highly recommend. Maybe we can find an image touch. I think we had it at Ingle Magazine at one point in the original website feature there um, to put in the in in the post with this show, but. That one in Vancouver with Johnny Canuck on one side and here's Johnny on the other. It was, uh, that was epic. Some of the ones with the Dallas Stars too were a little dark, as he said. They got a little dark there with The Shining and some of the other stuff, but just just a cool way to sort of play off a name and something that I'm sure he heard a lot. And frankly, as not a sort of Stephen King guy myself, I didn't know. It was actually the goalie mask that made me aware that that was his pen name early on. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I'm learning something from goalies. Huh. Yeah, yeah, educational uh, wizardry happening right now in in the goalie universe. Um, well, Hutch is a little busy right now because he he's still uh, enjoying the uh, the the glow of young Maddie being drafted into the Western Hockey League. Uh, what's the, what the last couple of weeks uh, been like for you guys uh, now being part of the Vancouver Giants organization of the Western Hockey League? Still a little bit surreal. I, uh, every now and then I sit down and I look at one of the photos on social or something. And, uh, I just, I actually kind of get pretty emotional, super excited for Matthew that, you know, the next step of his dream has come true and, uh, pretty excited that it's with such a fantastic organization. And, uh, the fact that it's only a ferry ride away instead of three or four provinces away, I have to tell you, it makes us all feel very, very fortunate. So, uh, the stars were aligning that day and we're all super excited. He's since been over uh, for a game at, uh, as a guest of the team, and uh, that was just an awesome experience. Got to go in and meet a bunch of guys, meet the coaching staff, um, hang out with uh, the goalie coach, Paul Fricker, and 
uh, get to know him a little bit and just just really excited to get get things rolling there's a sounds like there's a pretty good chance he'll get out on the ice with them over the next week or two here and um you know just step by step it's really exciting for people that don't know uh like what's what's the timeline for him to be like involved in the organization as an athlete uh, i mean every case is a little bit different uh normally the draft is held in um in the springtime so the next season you can start getting out there with the team but now it's because it was held mid-season because of covid some of the guys who were drafted have actually already played um one of maddie's good buddies uh, got into a game with everett the other day and uh, and got a goal in his first game um jesse heslop uh, shout out to him too so in theory you can play up to five games until your season is done uh, the team has said that they'll bring maddie in for the remainder of the year when his season is done so he is going to get a taste uh no promise of games obviously it's a it's a <laughs> bit more of a a bit more of a trust issue when you're putting a goaltender in there to a game he can't be a third line winger and be be hidden with limited minutes you got to face all the shots uh but he will get a chance to develop with the team this year in theory you could play full-time as a 16 year old but that's uh, pretty darn unusual uh for a goaltender it is happens occasionally and obviously that's his goal but uh, we'll trust the team will make uh, the right decision for his development when they see how he's uh, progressed over the summer that's awesome. And 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 dad's already got a hat there. I got a hat. I got a giant hat. I, I I was a guest at their golf tournament this summer. So I got a hat in my car, Hutch. Now we're going to have to get that signed up. Yeah. Uh, Hutch, we can't be friends twice a year when the Wheat Kings play the uh, Oh, no problem. Play the Giants. No problem at all. Okay. No problem at all. So for two days a year, we have to, we, we're going to be more. Well, they had, ma- they had a lot of chances to draft him before Vancouver did, and they didn't choose to. So yeah, we can't be friends for a while. That's fine. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll be able to uh, get through it, and and we'll, we'll be yeah, good for sure. But uh, but yeah, oh, we can. Well, maybe a little side wager. Uh, on Let's things do that between Let's the week. Let's do that. Let's hope his first game's against Giants. Brandon. Hey, hey, hey uh, speaking of big opportunities, Darren, I know you're going to try and like weasel out of not talking about this, but uh, how about morning skate? Our own Darren Millard on the ice, stopping shots for the Vegas Golden Knights last week. That was I saw that. Players about asked about true. that. That like I'm I'm over here a little jelly. Yeah, there. Uh, I don't know how many pucks I stopped. I hadn't played in in six seven weeks uh, before before I went on the ice. But uh, Mike Rosati, the goalie coach for the Vegas Golden Knights, texted me, and I was doing uh, recording uh, the, one of the chirp interviews at the time. So I was right beside my phone. And he said, can you skate tomorrow morning? And I replied, yes. And he said, that's the fastest reply to a text ever <laughs> because it was Im- immediate. Uh, it's but funny. Yeah, we it don't was, get texts uh, back when you're recording. No, no, no uh, <laughs> not, not usually. Uh, but this was, uh, this was extenuating circumstances. Hey, uh, I, I'm on the, on the uh, other side of uh, 50. And to be able to go out there and skate in a morning, sk- I've skated with NHLers before. Uh, what have you skated with NHLers before? I've never done it on a game day where it's like the real thing and they're focused on the real thing. And I'm doing drills as part of the morning skate drills. I, I screwed up one past uh, Petrangelo, which I still think is cool. Uh, and <laughs> and apologize to, to him. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and doing, doing some different things. So that was, it was just, it was, it was an awesome thrill. And I think Pete, Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff, Mike Rosati and the management for uh, for giving me they they needed a goalie that one of their e bugs couldn't make it and and I got to skate in the, in the morning skate and uh, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit here and say that yeah, was okay it was it was nice uh, it was a wild dream come true awesome and I I don't I don't I'm not going to play in a game uh, I I don't qualify as a, as an e bug because of uh, my role with the organization 
that's as close as I'm going to get. And I soaked up every minute. of it. That's awesome. So well, congratulations on that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I will say, I will tell you one story though. Uh, I made a save off Riley Smith, a glove save. And, and I was, I, I tend to chirp a little bit when I'm out there. We've heard, uh, we've heard. Uh, and, and <laughs> beat guys. So I said to, uh, Nick, Wa- Nick Waugh came by, uh, one of our center and, uh, and said, uh, nice save. And I said, do you think Riley will sign that for me? I was being a smart ass. And, and at the end of practice, I was do- finishing up a, a couple of drills with some guys and they shot me a puck from the bench and, and I, I sent it back. I thought they were trying to put it in the net and Keegan Colasar said, no, here, read that puck. And Riley Smith had in, written on the puck, uh, autographed it to me and said, Congratulations on your save, <laughs> and <laughs> Riley. But it was it wasn't like congratulations on on a great game or on on your save. <laughs> the which one. sums up my performance. Yeah, one one save. So, uh, it was it was it was neat that the that the guys kind of treated me as one. Of them I'm not day. seeing a shadow box with that puck in it behind you, it's, Darren. And is that my desk? Yeah, it's at my okay. desk at the office. Okay, I want to see that on the I, wall for these podcasts in the near future. I made sure I saved it, but yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks. It was it was cool. Can you, I, can you describe? I, can I, you describe what it feels like going from beer league to NHL shooters, especially a guy like yeah, like uh, we've had we've had pro goalies tell us that patches Max Pacioretty, and I'm not sure if he was out there yeah. that morning or was optional, but like I, I we've had other professional goaltenders tell us that that is the hardest shot they've ever faced. Yeah, he wasn't out there that day, but I have skated with him uh, this uh, this year this uh, this September it's ridiculous. Like his shot is ridiculous. Like it's just goofy. And now when I watch people, uh, who do he, he scored a couple of goals against Arizona a couple of weeks ago. And I looked at uh, my wife and said, Hey, that guy, he and I have something in common. We haven't touched a Pacioretty shot either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it was, it was, it was really cool. And, and like Petrangelo, Mark Stone, and, and, but, but it was a game day. It was business for them. Yeah. And so you couldn't be, like goofy and and you were out there having a birthday party you got to see what it was like at ice level uh inside the boards to be uh sort of behind that curtain and it was uh it was was neat and it's it's it i love my job but that was that was cool christmas come early for both you guys this week that's awesome (laughs) yeah that is awesome high five high five through the screen yeah so excited for you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well done Hey, uh, happy holidays, uh, you guys. Merry Christmas. Uh, be safe. Uh, we've all had our, our different challenges over the course of this year, and we're getting through it. And uh, and you guys are a great support mechanism for me uh, during the course of, of our weeks uh, that we record. And then we have our little chats on the side, and, and we catch up. This, this is a podcast episode that is probably one hour in length on average uh, in and around there. But it takes us two and a half hours to record because uh, we're always chatting and, and doing goofy things and catch up. So uh, you guys mean a ton uh, to me and you guys are um, uh, amazing. And uh, to the audience as well. Uh, thanks for being with us on this uh, amazing journey uh, of, of goaltending. And hopefully that uh, all your, or your presents under the tree are exactly what you want. And uh, hopefully they have a, a lot to angle towards uh, goaltending. Be safe and happy holidays. And we'll talk to you after Christmas. Mm-hmm.